For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 707 on CJD. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, my co-host. How are you, Josh? I am excellent, Dan. Good. Uh, our guest this evening, his name is Pierre Mayette. He is with SciFrame. Uh, welcome, Pierre. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, so perhaps we should start by just uh, SciFrame. It sounds like sci-fi, so there's definitely something technology involved here. Uh, tell us a bit about what you do and, and how you started out uh, in this business. Well, uh, basically we uh, offer uh, ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning Software, for uh, specialized for the plastic industry. Uh, uh, we basically took a, a package and uh, customized it basically for that industry. Uh, so that we can bring benefits on board a lot faster, uh, essentially lower the maintenance costs of it, and uh, provide a quick solution, efficient solution for that market. Now, you you said plastics industry, so you really only offer it to a single industry. Is that limiting, or do you feel that this is such a wide industry, it's really not an issue? Well, it's not a yeah, it's not a big issue. Uh, there's about, uh, I would say, 10, 15 types of plastic processors. Uh, just in North America, you're looking at uh, 30,000 companies, roughly, uh, of which we address mostly the mid-range type uh, companies. And uh, so you have profile extruder, PVC windows, you have molding, uh, you know, regular telephone, kind of thing, uh, bottle, plastic bottle, uh, garbage bag, that's film industry. So there's subtypes in there. Uh, but they always use a very common thing like plastic recipes, for instance. And we optimize the bill of material, uh, which could affect a plastic recipe, could affect hundreds of products. Uh, but what's different about our product is that we, um, we essentially, if you change a recipe, you don't have to change product by product. You just change a recipe and you're done, you know? So, Pierre, how did you get started in SciFrame? Was it, was it you that began it? Did you have a, a certain software background or history? Kind of fill us in on, on how that began. Well, uh, basically, it was back in the late 80s. I, I used to be one of the five specialists, uh, application specialists for Hewlett Packard, and uh, out of what, three, 400 uh, ERP consultants. Uh, so, um, I decided I was uh, I, I wanted to fly on my own kind of thing with the experience I had, and uh, we started uh, uh, pretty small, uh, obviously, uh, but we got involved into selling financial software packages along with custom program uh, uh, programming services. So nothing, nothing for plastics at that point. Well, a little bit. There was a few plastic companies at the beginning that were involved in um, in some of the customers we had. But one of them was a, a fairly big customer, a travel company, and which unfortunately got acquired by Nationair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, in 92, we kind of faced uh, a restructure uh, once Nationair fell down kind of thing. And, uh, but basically, uh, we moved on. Uh, I have an interesting story about that. The, uh, when we organized from you know, eight to four employees, we, uh, we went to the bank to renew our, our margin. And the banker looked at me and says, uh, why do you bother, you know? And uh, actually, uh, we went from four to 40 employees and won a, a prize, a gold prize from the bank in uh, in 99. And that bank manager, in fact, uh, was not my bank manager through all that period. 
but it's now surprisingly enough my bank manager <laughs> do you, did you have issue did you feel that the banks were on your side was it difficult to to deal with them did you find you had to always push how did how was the reaction from the banks either in in the good times and the bad uh, they were, I, I have to admit, the National Bank's always been a great partner. We value uh, at SciFrame long-term relationship with our employees, our customers, uh, and the bank and the, even the BDC, for one, uh, have been really good long-time partners with us, and uh, I'm very pleased to say that's the case, you know. Did you find it difficult to uh, have the banks understand what kind of product you were making, especially because it's so technical and specialized? Uh, yeah, you have to communicate quite a bit with the bank if you want to avoid problems. Obviously, we uh, we always kept them informed, but we always diversified our financing too. So, you need to make a lot of phone calls before you push on someone, you know. Uh, so it's uh, it's important to be diversified, you know. And uh, uh, I'm a CMA myself, so I understood quite a bit uh, how to structure the finance the company, not to be, uh, you know, putting stuff at risk, you know. Did you now when you started Cyframe? Was this totally on your own, or did you go in with a partner? Well, I went with a partner, uh, actually a co-worker at uh, Hewlett Packard. Uh, and when Nashner kind of fell down, he went on his own kind of thing. Uh, but I, uh, soon later, uh, Jean-Luc Chiquin, my existing partner, my original, I would say mid-90s partner, is, uh, been, is still with us uh, today and a uh, great guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, from there, there on, uh, we, we went very big in 1999, won that price. But soon after, one of our major customers was Nortel. And we had acquired a financial package through a partnership, mm -hmm. a very good package, actually. And, uh, boy, we said, uh, the web, what, what a great piece of software. And we knew about the plastic industry quite a bit. So I said, why not we make a web uh, ERP system, web-based ERP system, you know? Uh, but then uh, Nortel fell down, <laughs> as you all know. Yes. Uh, Lactel, another great company, which had a license to sell in Europe, uh, got taken out of the market by the World Trade. They couldn't sell in Europe, they went under. So like 60% of our service business went down the tube in, in a couple of years. You know, and we, Again, we had to reorganize. And we were just building that new software. So. It was a tough period, you know. So you were, you had like between Nation Air earlier on and and Nortel a little later on, quite a bit of reliance on a single customer at a at a point in time. Yeah, exactly. And I would advise uh, entrepreneur to diversify their source of revenue. And, and I think that's it's it's a lesson that sometimes is really difficult to learn, and sometimes you have to learn on the job. But for those listening tonight take heed, economic dependence, relying on a single customer for a good chunk of your business may seem absolutely phenomenal uh, at the beginning, certainly great cash flow, uh, you know, they, they rely on you, it's, it's good for inventory replenishment, uh, you know, and, and make sure the, the, the people on board and your customer is great, but should something go wrong, that can truly affect the entrepreneur and his business to a vast, vast, vast difficult time. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I found it interesting to hear uh, a lot more about the, the story and software in a specialized industry uh, coming up. And we can also ask the question, do you insure your customers too? Because that's something that's, uh, that I found quite interesting, uh, especially if you have a lot of receivable, receivables, like you said, from one person. Uh, take away that, uh, that fear factor, I guess, a little bit. Uh, today's Entrepreneur continues on CJAD with Pierre Mayette of, uh, uh, excuse me, SciFrame. He's the president of SciFrame, so that will continue in just a moment. It's 7.15 on CJAD.
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 718, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, Pierre Maillet. He is the president of SciFrame. Uh, they're a software company. And uh, Pierre, before the break, we're talking about a very interesting concept that I think a lot of business owners uh, would probably not be too familiar with. Uh, if you have a lot of receivables, a lot of money outstanding, uh, with one client in particular, um, do you buy insurance to to cover that in case something should go wrong? And uh, tell me a bit about your experience uh, when it comes to, to, to that and, and buying insurance for your receivables. Okay. Uh, well, basically, we... Uh we pretty much never used it, but we knew it was around. Uh, for uh, because we uh, finally discovered we had to diversify. We're selling internationally, so uh, on the international side, ETC Canada, you know, the uh, mm -hmm. uh, they offer insurance, and uh, we've uh, just recently closed a deal in Bolivia, and we are getting this one insured. Um, it's a great tool for exporting, definitely. Internally, uh, I guess there's some companies who would buy your receivable, but there's always a charge to that. So we never really had to do that or lost any significant amount due to a receivable. But uh, that could be something. And, w and what Pierre is referring to is, is factoring. Sometimes instead of insuring the receivables and hanging on to yourself, you can actually sell the receivable and get your money even faster. Some, there's a lot of rules and that follow in some companies that certainly, as, as yeah. Pierre alluded to, can charge uh, quite a quite a, a few points for it. But it, it is it is another option for financing. Yeah, like yeah definitely. Like uh, uh, we found it very useful because we needed to diversify. We learned from our last two experience that we needed to, you know. So uh, and it was a very good thing. We went through uh, 2009 to in the U.S. went from 100 to zero mm -hmm. in no time. And we actually didn't really feel a big bump because we're diversified. And that financing of receivable is a great tool uh, to be able to achieve that, you know. Mm. Did, when you're, you say you're talking about international customers and not only relying on Canada, do you deal with many countries around the world? Is there, has there been a, a country or a customer in a country that's been easier or harder to deal with because of local requirements, regulations, bar language barriers? Well, uh, I have two, two great examples of that. Uh, one, uh, once in New Zealand, actually, that was uh, extremely actually turned out easy to do. We actually, it's very hard to believe people who are in my field will, see, will say that. Uh, we actually installed, sold, installed the ERP system completely remotely. We never once went to New Zealand. You didn't take ever one trip? No, not one. Not one. And it's a very successful implementation, actually. And they had uh, different size paper on there. A4 paper, I don't know mm. if you realize what that is. I, d I don't, uh, actually. Well, it's a smaller, it's longer than 8 and F by 11, mm. and, but uh, narrower. narrower, exactly. And uh, so just imagine you got uh, three, 400 reports out there, so you <laughs> we had to customize those reports to make sure that they fit the international format. And later on, the more difficult one was in uh, Dubai, actually, uh, where, you, you know, and we actually had to go there. So you have the culture shock, uh, the you know, the Muslim culture, the whole thing. But it turned out uh, they're great people. They're actually very great people, very hardworking people. They work uh, six days a week most of the time. 
uh, they'll work 10, 12 hours. And when you look at how lucky we are here uh, in this country, you know, it makes you realize how lucky we are, you know. Uh, but they're great, dedicated people, and we finally went through the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, you have to deal with mistrust a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, make them uh, earn your confidence within your trust, you know. Just to pick up on what you said about New Zealand, I find it's really fascinating that you closed a deal with a, a firm there having never actually been there and, and sat down face to face. H how do you, uh, what, would, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who want to do that kind of business remotely? I mean, you have to sort of communicate that you're a trusting person, right, that you're a credible firm um, online, I suppose. It seems tricky. Uh, tricky, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, and we even sold quite a bit online with our ever, uh, the, like the Bolivian order I mentioned, mm -hmm. we actually never went there. Wow. Uh, so the tools that we have on the Internet today are great, uh, Skype and all these tools, uh, for, but you can use them for training, uh, for visual things. You can have two screen. Most of our people have two screen in the office. Uh, so we can do interactions like that very quickly, very, uh, you know, and it's amazing how uh, actually uh, you're perceived differently remotely than locally. Um, and it, it, it's, it's great. The Internet is great because a small company can actually be big, on the, you know. Taking advantage of technology. That's what entrepreneurs have to do every day. Sure. And is the is the handshake becoming obsolete too? <laughs> interesting. The virtual handshake. Yeah, very interesting questions. Uh, today's entrepreneur continues in a moment with Pierre Mayette of SciFrame at 723 on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur. Our guest is Pierre Mayet of SciFrame and uh, Josh we're talking about uh, virtual business and uh, the fact that Pierre has a very unique software and it poses some challenges uh, from a human resources perspective as well. And I believe when you have your proprietary software it's not as if you can hire somebody from off the street that knows about it. You gotta bring them in, you gotta train them, not only is it your the knowledge of the product but it's also your culture as well. So Pierre I, I guess the uh, next question for from our standpoint is is it easy to find the right people, and once you get them in, how do you train them? Well, that's that's a very good question. Uh, we, uh, if you recall, after uh, Nortel and this, you know, big uh, down, mm -hmm. downturn kind of thing, dot com went down, the plane crashed the building, the whole thing, you know, from 2000 2004 plus, the Y2K, you had tons of students that went to college in IT to make a fortune. They didn't really go in there to, because they loved it. They just said, wow, a lot of money in there, you know. So on top of going through that, you know, resizing and reorganizing and building a brand new software with a new generation of kids, uh, a lot of them really didn't have the passion for it. So we went through a lot of turnover in that period. So you're asking me, we have a very strong value at SciFrame. It's called long-term relationship, you know. The only way you can attain this level of competence is by having people a long time. They, they need to be trained constantly with the motion of uh, technology, right? And uh, also to be able to learn a trade, you need time. So the only way, and it's counterintuitive in our industry, people have a lot of turnover typically mm -hmm. in IT companies. Well, we don't. Uh, our average, I think, is around uh, eight years uh, with us, you know? And uh, naturally, we have growth, so that number goes down as we're, you know, hiring people. 
but it's a very, uh, the mass of people have been with us for 70% of the people have been on at least five years. So would you attribute that to your management style, to your your compensation, to uh, really comfortable living quarters, you pay for their meals, uh, you know, like, what, what would you attribute that to specifically, the, such a low turnover? Well, it's, uh, I think uh, people believe in the company, uh, the trust has been established within us, it's like a family uh, type of thing, you know. It's actually, it actually sounds like a family business without actually being one, you know? Yeah, no blood. Well, there is one, my son, yeah, okay. uh, yeah but uh, uh, essentially, we're a family. We, we stick together, you know? Uh, we're the best team I've ever had, you know? And uh, we use training tools like uh, offered by Employ Quebec. Uh, inst instead of letting go of people in a, a downturn, you you train them, you improve the quality of uh, their, their market value, you know? So they all have very good market value, um, and we, we pay profit sharing every year. Uh, we, uh, they're, in, they're in it with us, you know? Uh, so do you, all find, the way. you find that you're transparent with them? You kind of keep them uh, up to speed on what's going on within the company, your customers, uh, and where the direction you're heading in? You involve uh, them uh, in that? Absolutely, we have an open door concept. Uh, anybody can come talk to me or Jean-Luc or any, any of the major partner in the company and uh, it's uh, we're an open book basically you know plus we have an espresso machine you know that's uh, uh, the espresso <laughs> machine <laughs> to, keep them up, to keep them up at night <laughs> working uh, it, you know it's it's interesting uh, entrepreneurs sometimes they have totally different management styles certainly in an IT environment you got to be youthful you got to be transparent because that's what they're looking for and for the success of the company, it's hugely important. And looking forward to see how that translates with his partner and if they have the same management styles. Ah, uh, partnership issues, contrasting views maybe. We'll find out in a second on today's Entrepreneur at 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.36 on Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. It's a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. And our guest this evening is Pierre Maillet. He is the president of SciFrame, a software company. And we were talking before uh, the news, Pierre, about uh, management styles. And this is something that comes up on every show. Uh, and I'll ask the question that we ask all of our guests. Are you more of a Democrat or more of a dictator when it comes to your staff? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> My partner likes to say uh, to newcomers, uh, there's two rules at Cyframe. Uh, rule number one, Pierre is always right, <laughs> you know. And rule number two, if Pierre is wrong, refer to rule number one. Exactly. <laughs> but in Same thing at home, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly, yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, kidding aside, we, um, we I, I always, uh, like I said, it's an open door policy. And there's leadership in different sector in our company. And I expect people to take the leadership without, without having to talk to me all the time or Jean-Luc. So it goes down even to the individual employees to have some leadership in the company. And I expect it because they understand our mission, our vision, uh, and they will take initiative. I, I really like initiative in the company. I don't like to, that somebody's waiting on, you know, for me to do something, for them to do their job, you know. 
So um, did they demonstrate it well? Is there is there a particular oh yeah. instance that yeah I keep uh, uh, I keep on getting surprised about stuff that happens that I find out after the fact and I was never was involved in it. Uh, but uh, mostly uh, when there's some serious decision to take, uh, I I never take them alone. I always get. Uh, uh, Jean-Luc uh, around the table and the two new partners, uh, recent partners uh, for the new generation around the table to get them involved uh, either whether it's finance or anything to do with uh, that would, could affect the company the you know balance sheet issues and stuff like that. Do you have different roles that you take on naturally or have assigned to uh, let's say you and Jean-Luc or your other partners like whether it's administration, finance, IT, or whatever, whatever marketing, whatever it may be, do you have a natural uh, allocation of these uh, of these tasks? Or well, it's kind of uh, like, for instance, uh, for technical issues, Jean-Luc is uh, uh, Jean-Luc and Justin friend, they're two key people on the technical side. They usually uh, manage. I, I don't understand all the detail behind that mm -hmm. stuff, right? Um, uh, but they're the ones, they're the leader in the company. When it comes to product design, I'm definitely involved in the, in the process. Uh, the most experienced people would be, you know, uh, myself and Jean-Luc, in fact. And uh, Stéphane, the new uh, shareholder, is very strong on, on support, customer service uh, type things. And I can count on him any time of the day, 24-7, uh, on taking care of stuff. And naturally, Rick, a new uh, shareholder, a brand new shareholder, Rick Dunn, great guy. Uh, he takes care of the sales and the marketing, the website, uh, getting, uh, you know, AdWords put in and doing inbound, outbound marketing. What happens when the partners don't agree? Well, we we basically leave it on the table and uh, we move on to uh, the next topic type of thing, you know. Uh, uh, we like to, uh, sometimes I do have to cut in and make a decision because there's a requirement sometimes mm -hmm. to make a decision. And that's where leadership comes from, right? Uh, but uh, I, I would say that uh, I try and get it over with people before I, I, I make that jump, you know? Now, you, s you start off with two shareholders. You're adding shareholders a little at a time. There, you know, the notion and having a, a legal agreement, a shareholders agreement, do you have one in place? How important what is, is it for you to make sure that there's something in existence of that nature? Well, uh, about three years ago, we uh, we went through. Uh, we're going through a, a you would call management internal management buyout, so that a new generation can take over the next ten years. We're uh, two years into that ten-year process, you know, uh, so it's tr extremely important uh, to have in place uh, all the legal, the money aspect of it, and it's important to have a flexible um, uh, arrangement so that. In good years, you pay more, and bad years, you pay less. Uh, that there's a flexibility in there, and uh, you know, Fuller and uh, Edeski have been uh, really great at setting the money and legal issues on paper, and everybody agreeing. And there's room for an eventually third uh, young generation partner to come in to complete the picture. So uh, extremely important. But beside the legal and money part, uh, there's also the uh, uh, the the training issue, the replacement, the uh, values, if you want, um, that's uh, a building that's building over the years. It's going to take probably, you know, four to seven years at least to get that done, uh, to have the right qualification in place so that they don't depend on me or the older generation or Jean-Luc eventually, you know. 
It's not just their, their resume, right? When you're looking for a partner, it has to be, uh, like you said, you have to ingrain them in the culture of your business. Uh, what are some ways that you help people along and help them uh, establish themselves within the company? Well, I gradually, uh, I gradually give them more and more responsibility, but one step at a time type of thing. Hmm. So, um, so that when, when I give out something, I make sure that I, I monitor the situation for a period, and then I let them run with it, you know? I have to be able to accept different leadership st styles, different ways of doing things. Uh, younger people are more hands-on, maybe less educated, but more hands-on. Uh, but they need to compensate with some education to make up the big picture, I think, and keep the values, like long-term relationship, which I told earlier is counterintuitive. Younger generation, you know, would come out of broken families and stuff like that. The, uh, and uh, the fact that public companies, uh, you know, are not so loyal after all, you know. You have to be able to create a family environment in that business to be able to succeed, to have strong people that understand plastic application and so on. You know? So in dealing with, uh, it sounds like you're dealing with several generations at any given point in time, you end up trying to take the lead and trying to be that, almost that mentor for them in, in various parts to bring them into the culture of the business. Uh, and, and to tell them that education is important, it's not just on the job, but uh, even some formal education uh, would be crucial to help them succeed. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, uh, if, uh, you know, the education I got is a very strong element of success, uh, understanding basic principle of whether it's finance, marketing, uh, you know, HR, uh, industrial psychology and so on, which we have to deal with on an ongoing basis, you need to understand the fundamentals at least. So I, I'm not really looking for paper, but I'm looking for them to have the, that basic knowledge, you know. So you sometimes act as a mentor for them. Correct, correct. And did you have a mentor? Uh, yeah, uh, plenty of mentor. I worked uh, for KPN, KPMG for a long period. Uh, my father was a mentor. He had a, a during window business here, a very large company, four or 500 employees. So. I understand what he went through as an entrepreneur. I lived it with him, actually, you know. And um, it, it's uh, it's important to be a mentor to uh, to that new gener generation when I can still do do it, you know. It's uh, thank you, Pierre. It's a, it's a fascinating way to to embed the culture of the company because it it doesn't it sounds like it's not just about the service that will come you train them about the service you train them about the product that can go out but the culture and understanding and mentorship that that you've been able to impart in your team and and that you and your partners have been able to put together that's something that that you know certainly from our standpoint listening to various entrepreneurs that creates a longevity of a company uh, that is certainly unsurpassed. So uh, certainly kudos to that. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can, can take that and, and really apply it to their business in a very successful way. Coming up in a second, we'll talk to Kevin Emmerman, uh, IT expert at Fulalandau, about some of the software that, that Pierre makes and some similar software that can be implemented in, in, in businesses like yours and, uh, and how to maintain it over the long term because, uh, as we'll find out in a minute, Josh, it's great one thing to, to buy a bunch of software. It's quite another to make sure it, it keeps running properly. 7.45 right now on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller for today's Entrepreneur, and our guests this evening, Pierre Maillet. He is the president of SciFrame, and we also bring into the conversation right now Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. And uh, Kevin, we're talking about uh, software and how it can save a lot of time for business owners, but it also requires a lot of time and a lot of commitment, especially after you purchase it, right? You don't just purchase software and then sort of toss your hands up in the air and say, well, it's going to do all the work for me, right? It requires a bit of ongoing maintenance, ongoing uh, commitment. Well, that's where a lot of smaller business uh, owners get into trouble because they do assume that they can just go and they buy a, a, a boxed software, something in a package, and it, it may be inexpensive, it may just be a few hundred dollars, it may go up into the tens or you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, but they don't appreciate that after they make that initial purchase, uh, there's a lot of commitment, there's a lot of work that has to be uh, to go into setting up the software and making sure that it runs down the road. Um, and a lot of times this planning should be done before that purchase is made. It should be done uh, during the, the selection process because there are a lot of different options for companies out there and uh, all too often the people that are going to be using the, the, the software aren't, they don't really know what they need and they need a little bit of help getting through that process. Now is it, does the entrepreneur tend, I mean, does he get involved himself? Does he have you know, delegate the task? Should he get involved? Uh, how much planning should they do before? Um, like, you know, what what pitfalls can they fall into if they don't think enough? And and Pierre, I, I'm sure you can you can jump in at any point. And you've had, I'm sure you've lived some interesting stories about entrepreneurs or business owners that that don't get involved enough. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, uh, they say that the average uh, statistic that came out that. Uh, 50% of ERP failure, uh, well, first of all, 50% of ERP projects fail, and 50% of that is the lack of commitment from top management. So, uh, like at SciFrame, we insist for top management to be involved from the start, even the, in the sales cycle, the early sales cycle, to understand, to be a guiding light for the project. And not only that, as the project advances, they need to be involved, understand the detailed process, running in their own business, how, and how that's going to impact their business. And they have to understand it to be able to be behind the project. Otherwise, you risk, you risk quite a bit, you know. Is there certain, Kevin, is there certain perhaps uh, component aspects, whether it's hardware or, uh, or even, even human resource uh, side of it, from an implementation standpoint that you would say entrepreneurs should tackle first, second, third, or...? Uh, well, definitely planning up front, and this applies to not only ERP projects, but also CRM and document management and any large-scale uh, implementation that's touching on a lot of people uh, in an organization. Uh, most of the planning should be done before the before the purchase decision is made, probably, um, in terms of tracking down, you know, who's going to be implicated in the company. Uh, if it's a, a larger organization, who the, the team is going to be that's going to sort of uh, quarterback the project. And of course, getting the the owner or the entrepreneur involved to make sure that they that, that the software does what it's intended to do at the end of the day. Are there typically? I mean, would you suggest that entrepreneurs always evaluate two or three comparative softwares, or really just get to know one really full depth in in and out? Uh, it would be nice if they could get away with just evaluating two or three. Um, these softwares are pretty pretty intricate, so unless they have a lot of trust and a lot of knowledge about what these programs are going to do for them and how it fits their business, uh, they they really have to 
they got to know the software is fairly thoroughly before they can make a, a good decision. And these are expensive programs, and it's not just the initial cost or the implementation, but the training and the the, the time frame that's involved in setting things things up. If if this if one of these projects fails halfway through, it's it's not a trivial matter. We were talking earlier with Pierre about training remotely. I would imagine that a lot of these softwares certainly facilitate that possibility and, and can kind of get a number of people in a room at the same time uh, or certainly minimize the cost of implementation. I, uh, it must be very difficult to do the remote training uh, for, for a system such as this. Um, in, in terms of getting the, the right people in the room at the right time and getting a, a good appreciation for the business, uh, that you've got a lot more experience than I do in that kind of... Well, uh, well basically the big advantage of online training is that instead of monopolizing people, when you're talking about medium-sized business, they have their day job to do. So you can train on targeted subject for three, four hours, two hours, and you're done. So you move by step by step with a program, and it actually forcing people to use the software instead of me typing stuff for them, or our, any of our ERP consultants typing stuff for them. They actually have to type it. You know, they actually have to use it. So it forces uh, the customer into actually using the software while they're training. So it's very good, you know, and uh, it's very important to be able to do that. More on today's entrepreneur in a moment. Uh, we're going to talk more about software and how it could help your business. It's 7:53 on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Remaining moments on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, Pierre Maillet, uh, president of SciFrame, and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. And uh, Josh, but when, when you're buying software, it's not like you're buying, you know, cookies or something that you can taste in advance. How, how, what kind of protections are in place um, for people buying software, and, and can you try before you buy? And not only that, but if you're if you're running an existing system that seems to be working, but you certainly want improvements on it, well, how do you check? Do you run parallel and make sure it's the same information? Uh, what do you see? Uh, and I'll either Pierre or Kevin can answer it. But what do you see from either running parallel or making sure that the software is going to work for you and do what it says? Uh, well, as Pierre, we were talking during the break that the running a proof of concept using some older data in the system so that uh, the people that are purchasing the software or evaluating the software can take a look and see how it works with their data in the system and uh, do some trials and tests on it and see how things work, make sure all the reports are in place and make sure that the right people can, can actually use the software. Pierre, what, what have you Yeah, exactly. Uh, seen? Uh, in, in the sales cycle, we, we, run, uh, we run a proof of concept because we want to make sure that we reach the target benefits that the customer is looking at. Um, so it's extremely important for us to, to set the right expectations and show them that we can actually sa save them real dollar. We're not a huge company like SAP, so mm -hmm. uh, the, this is extremely important. And then before we go live, instead of running a parallel, we could do it by section, going live in smaller section if there's a need for that. There's a strategy about that. But I really believe you do a simulation, a full simulation like a wedding rehearsal uh, before you go live, then when you're confident and you understand everything, you just go live on either part parts, a certain module, or or all of it, you know. 
So essentially, you have people simulate perhaps like a regular business day on the software, and then see what if any problems arise. Uh, yeah, correct. Uh, in fact, could be even more than that. Could be a month end, a year end. Uh, uh, simulate uh, stuff, critical stuff for a day-to-day -day operation. Uh, typically, you want to go through a month end cycle, so you simulate one day, which would be the last day of the month, and then close the month kind of thing. You know. And do you have as many people working on it in the company as possible, or just a few people to test it out? Well, typically, we like to have, uh, uh, you know, what we call uh, key users, people who understand their business very well. And uh, uh, typically, it would be a team or three or four. And the, these people would retrain internally type of thing. But you need them there uh, after you go live as a reference, a strong reference. You know? So certainly, listen, a lot of challenges for entrepreneurs and planning ahead is crucial. Uh, as we come to the end of the show, Pierre, do you have any words of wisdom for today's entrepreneur? Well, the, today's entrepreneur, um, I hope there will be more of them as uh, the time progress. Uh, I really think we need more of them these days. Uh, it's a great life. Uh, and the only thing I can say, like you said earlier, you have to work at diversifying uh, whatever source of revenue, source of financing. You have to work on diversification, and uh, and uh, that's really critical for your long-term success. Thank you very much, Pierre. Dan, uh, certainly the couple of takeaways I get from this week's show, one is certainly when uh, Pierre talks about economic dependence, don't rely on one, one customer for a huge part of your business. That can be extremely deadly. But I'll, I'll talk about something a little more uh, important, a little more soft or intangible, and that's your people dealing with them, creating a culture. If you if you train them and you have them understand and you're transparent and you show them exactly where you're heading, the product and service will follow. They'll want to have the company do well. They'll want to push. And that's something I take away from Pierre's comments earlier today. Very interesting, very intuitive, very important for an entrepreneur. So, Thank Josh you, Miller. Josh. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Pierre Maillet of Cyframe and Kevin Ammerman, uh, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. Thank you both. Very interesting conversation tonight. Uh, don't forget you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. We're back next Monday night at 7 p.m. Good night.